Welcome to the Calvary Chapel Naples Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you'll be blessed by this week's message from Pastor Aaron Lapp. For more information about this podcast and other Calvary Chapel Naples resources, please visit us at ccnaples.org. So I'm going to do a teaching today on uh, on temptation and surrender. Yeah, and actually, this is a good thing. Please silence your mobile devices if you if you have not done so already. Temptation and surrender. We're going to be in Luke uh, chapter four, primarily. It's a classic ch- chapter on the uh, the temptation of Christ, uh, where Satan tempted Jesus. Um, and really, <clears throat> guys, nothing I'm going to say this morning really is going to be like. This is not new. It's just old truths. But I just feel like for some reason we need a refresher. We need to remember these things um, because it's part of the Christian walk, is it not? Just you dealing with temptation is part of life. If you're alive, if you have breath, and I was going to ask, you know, I'll raise your hand if you're breathing, but you know, then you're, you're, you were tempted yesterday or you're going to be tempted today or, it's, or tomorrow or whatever. You're going to be tempted by something, Right? And we need to be equipped in the body of Christ to handle that temptation and to know what is the godly response to it, you know. Um, the pastor who trained me up, he always, he always used to kind of joke around about dealing with temptation by, by, the, by, uh, by the, the skill of what he called white-knuckling, you know, which is like if you just, if you don't want to do whatever it is, you know, you just kind of hold on to all of your might and you just, you know, if you can kind of... And that is not the way to deal with temptation. I mean, it might help in like, you know, about a five-second period of time, but it's just not going to... It doesn't solve the root issue, right? The root issue. Um, and so that's what this, this teaching is on about. Temptation and surrender. So let's just go ahead and read um, Luke 4, verses 1 through 13. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days. That's a long period of time. And he's be tempted by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. As you can imagine, he well might be. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, and this is how almost all temptations begin, is with the issue of doubt. And we'll cover on that a little bit more later. If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Now, Jesus is very hungry, right? It would have been, that's tempting, right? If you're hungry and there's food in front of you, Tempting, right? And in this case, to make that fruit. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Now, it's interesting that the devil talks about this issue of glory, right? He does have a certain amount of kind of presence and glory while he's here on this earth roaming around. And he promises to give it to people, but he has a high price for that, and that the issue of there is worship. And he goes directly into this in verse 7. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And just a little tidbit here. It's just so interesting, the issue of worship, right? We, we, we worship an unseen God. And here Satan is exactly asking to do the thing that we are so often tempted to do with worship, is that we want to see the object of our worship. But our Heavenly Father says no, because you have to worship him by faith. 
You have, to, you have to worship him without seeing him. That is your act of worship. That is your act of faith. Even as you're here this morning worshiping and singing, if you have to muster up some faith to do it, great, good. Your worship time's not always going to be easy. It's not supposed to be. But Satan wants it to be about something that you can see, and he wanted him to actually worship before him. That he's in, in his face. He wanted him to see that. Our God is not that way. And Jesus answered and said to him, verse 8, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. And here Satan gets out what I call the big guns. He uses Scripture to go against Scripture. He says, for it is written. He's like, okay, so Jesus talks about the Word. Okay, well then I'm going to throw a word at you, but I'm going to misconstrue it. And he does that. He's a wily, wily dude. A wily angel, technically, not a dude. Um, Oh yeah, so he says now in verse 10, for it is written, he shall give his angels. Who was an angel? Satan was an angel. It's just so interesting. He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. So he's saying you can, you just, if this is true, then you can just, you can do whatever you want. Guys, is that true? That if if the Lord cares for you and the angels are going to protect you, that you can just do whatever you want? Let's get a, that is absolutely false in here. Ready? One, two, three. Absolutely false. Fantastic. This teaching is going better than I thought. <laughs> Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. This is the word of the Lord. These are the three temptations that that Jesus faces the same three temptations that you're going to face every day of your life. Whether it's in work, or it's at home, or your, your private life, whatever it is. These are the things that you're going to face. And they actually all have to do with the issue of how you see God. It always gets back. That's, always, that's the root issue. Is who is God, and who is God to you, right? If you have a false version of who God is, or if you have a wrong impression of, of who He is to you, His care for you, His love for you, His provision for you, etc., 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 then you're going to fall more easily into these temptations because you don't understand the root issues that are going on. All the temptations have everything to do with how we see God. And that's why Jesus was, of course, directing us back to the issue, which is, what is true? What is true? So I wrote down here, how do we see God? That's one thing. How does God see God? How does he see himself? Well, let me, let me just tell you related to these three issues. God sees God this way. One is that he is the provider, of course, and that's, that's temptation one, right? You have, you have needs. God says, I'm your provider. The issue is, do we actually submit to that? Do we believe that? Do we live as though that's true in every part of our lives? Second thing, God says of himself that he is the maker, the maker of all things seen and unseen. He's even the maker of the devil, is he not? I mean, that's interesting fodder for thought right there. He's the maker of all things. Therefore, he is the only one deserving of our worship, right? 
The only one that we are to bow before, the only one that we are to bend the knee to. So he's the provider, one. Two, he's the maker and deserving of all worship. And number three, he is the ruler, the ruler over all things. And this is that third temptation, right? That third temptation is so interesting. Like, what's up with that scripture that, he, that Satan points out, right? About the angels being given charge. Is the issue there is that the temptation is that you would become God over God. You see that? You would actually place yourself ahead of what he says rather than behind, rather than submitting yourself to him and saying, you are the ruler. You are the one who's going to protect me. I will not tempt that. I will submit to that, is to put yourself in the wrong position. And this is so much of what the Christian life is all about, is putting yourself in the right provision. If he's the provider, then you are beneath that, and his provision comes down to you. If he is the maker, then he is the worship. Your worship goes up to him. If he is the ruler, then he's in charge of everything that happens in your life. Every single thing. And our job, therefore, is to submit to him. So what, what then does Satan do? Satan shows up in every single one of these areas. And he says, okay, provider, well, what about that bill from Comcast? And by the way, what's up with that? It's like gone kind of crazy. It's like, it's just internet, you know? So you you have the bill coming up. You have the financial obligation. You have the need of this. And it's so tempting to be like, Oh, I've got to take this into my own hands. And, and Satan will make you doubt his provision for you. And oftentimes, we've got to admit, God does wait until the last minute to provide, but that's kind of how he works. I don't know if you know this about the Lord, but he kind of, he kind of waits till like, you're, you're like, ah, shoestring. And he's like, bam, there we go. <laughs> so if you're not used to waiting or if you're uncomfortable waiting, I'm so sorry, but that's part of the deal. <laughs> you just had to wait there. I'm so sorry. <laughs> And he wants you to doubt that he's, he's, he's the maker. Now this is, a, this is a huge thing in our world today. Who made, who made the world? Who, who, who made you? Did, he, did God make mistakes, right? People have a lot of self-doubt. They have a lot of questions. Who, who am I? Why, do I? why do I have the things I have to deal with? Why am I the way I am? You are a divine creation. Where you are, whatever you do, you are a divine creation creation. God loves you. He made you for a purpose in this world. And he is worthy of you just bowing before him. But Satan comes and he wants to throw doubt at that. Now, come on, God, didn't, you're not a special creation. You're, you're not unique. You're not, you're not loved. You're not cared for. Yes. Yes, you are. But, but Satan just throws doubt. He throws doubt in everything. He throws doubt in your mind. He throws doubt in your heart. He throws it here. He throws it there. Then that leads to all the other stuff that we deal with all the time, right? Worry. And more worry. And more worry. Because that's what it all leads to, right? And lastly, we doubt that he is the ruler. Surely, surely God would not have put me in this situation, you say, right? Surely God would not allow me to go through this valley. This valley is way too deep. The Lord is the Lord of the mountains. He is the Lord of the valley. He is the Lord of the flatness. He is Lord of all. 
I think one of the things that I find so interesting about Satan is that Satan really is big on this issue of, of uh, you getting things the way you want them, how you want them, right? He's like the god of Burger King, basically, right? Have it your way. And, and that's attached to all these, these, these issues of the temptations as well, right? The first temptation, right? He, he has a legitimate need. He's hungry. He needs the bread. And Satan comes and says, why don't you, why don't you get it a, a new, another way? Why don't you get it the way you want? Haven't you been tempted towards that? I have this need. I have this need. So, hey, if I just uh, I go around this, right? This being the Lord. I think I can... I, there's a word for it. Finagling. <laughs> Where my finagler's at. Ah! <laughs> A couple hands up. Come on. You're like a body of Christ finaglers. I mean, that's just, that's the, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, confess it, right? That's exactly right. Yeah, finagling, trying to get around it. You'd be like, oh, well, the Lord says, you know, to do it this way, but I think that maybe in this funny circuitous route. Isn't it funny how we are sometimes in our mind? Oh, if I just do this. And then that's like a chess move or something. Be like, and then I get the rook over there, and I get the pawn here. I gotta, I gotta get the queen. And the Lord's like, um, why don't you just trust me? And we're like, oh, come on, <laughs> too easy. No, it's not. It's a lot harder, actually, right? So that's that's the first one. The second one is, the Lord, the Satan says that you can worship whomever or whatever you want to get what you want. You just bow before this. You bow before the public opinion of this or that. You bow before uh, whatever kind of scheme is going on, you know? That your worship is up for sale. Is your worship up for sale? He promised him some, some pretty big things, which I think in, in context is kind, of, is kind of interesting. I'm surprised that Jesus didn't talk to him about about when he, when he said, I will, this authority I will give you, then their glory and their, all this delivered to me, I will give it to whomever I wish. I'm surprised that Jesus didn't say, um, you mean the glory of the creation that I made? <laughs> why, do, why do you think he didn't say that? I mean, he could have. It was true. It is true. I, th- I think he didn't say that because of, because of us. Because he knew that he would have to give an answer that we would also have to be able to sit behind and use offensively for ourselves, or rather defensively, excuse me. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Jesus talks about this issue of, of, of servitude a lot. He says, what, whatever, whatever you serve, that is your master. Whatever you serve, that is the thing that is the Lord of your life. And I really want to put that specific word on it because that's really the issue of worship, is where and who and what gets lordship status in your life. Is the Lord kind of slipping around? He's like, he's first place on Sunday, right? You're here, church, awesome. Monday, eh, fourth, but still up there. Is that the way we're supposed to live? Absolutely not. 
And lastly, with the third temptation, that you can lead your life. This is what Satan wants you to do. You can lead your life. You can live however you want. You can make your own path. This is a big one. This is idolatry in America. You can make your own path. You can build yourself up. You can become... Remember when you're like in elementary school and you're like, everybody can become president. And all everybody was like, really? And then you grow up and you find out, it takes a lot of money to run for office. Make your own path. Why is this such a kind of seditious thing to offer? It's a seditious thing because it tempts you to think that you can make it happen. The Lord wants you to build your life, don't get me wrong, but he wants you to build it upon his foundation, right? If you build it according to your own strengths, even if you have a lot of strengths, even if you have a ton of strength, I know people have lots and lots of strengths, at a certain point those strengths are going to fail. Someday you're going to drop the ball. And Satan loves that. He's like, yeah, go do it, do it, do it. You, 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 yay, yay, yay. I'm not sure that much cheerleading. <laughs> Probably dialed back a little bit. But anytime you get on that path of like, you know, I, I, I can do this. I got it. I got this. Oh, that's the worst thing. I got this? You ever hear people say that? They say that all the time. You got this. It's like, oh, no. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. You got, and I don't, I don't mind. I, I think there's a difference between, of course, you know, like confidence and godly confidence. If your confidence is in the Lord to enable you to do something, great. If your confidence is in yourself, I got this. Easy. Watch out. <laughs> you's about to fall. Do, 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 do. Boom. I got this. No. No, you don't. Now, like I said before, these are not new things. And I know this is not a cheery Christmas message, so I apologize in advance. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> but honestly, if you, if you live these things out, you'll have a better Christmas than you didn't if you didn't. <laughs> you, know, you know, Christmas is a funny thing, right? There's, there's a lot of pressure that comes with the holidays, right? You'd be like, I've got to be twice as happy in December. All right. Way to go. That's an impossible thing. Why do we, why do, we do that, right? I've got to have Christmas music on 23.5 hours a day. Let's do it. Let's do it. You know, I'm going to listen to these songs until I'm sick of them. You know? <laughs> Every single shopping place is higher, bigger, louder, da 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 I, gotta get, I just got to get one more green, white, and red sweater and be good to go. Three more cookies. Bring it on. Sugar overload. I'll be happy. No, you won't. No, you won't, because that's not why Jesus came. He came to deliver you from all the junk and the trinkets. I, I, I don't mind celebrating. This, is, this looks fantastic. Look, it's festive. Does it, not, does it look good? This, by the way, this is Cesar. Welcome to Cesar. This is, he did all this, like everything. It was him. <laughs> and, we're, and we're thankful for it. But... If you, if you live according to the world's ways while you try to celebrate the birth of Christ, you're in for a miserable ride. And you know it. You know? Haven't we all gone through like the Christmas dinner, you just the big thing and 40,000 presents and at the end of the day, you're just like, you're so exhausted, you're like, I just want to go to bed. You know? Let's do it differently, right? Let's do it differently. Why, why not? 
new things. Lots of worship. Less worrying about all the accoutrement. Ah, pulled out the French. Nice. Stop worrying about what, you know, how many thousands of parties you have to go to and making it about something that it's not. It's just, it's just about the baby Jesus. That's all it is. So simple, right? And a baby is an exact representation of like the living out of these things in an anti-tempting mode, right? He has tons of needs, can't do anything. The Lord provides for him through a teenage girl. How unlikely is that? Little baby needs no, no giving of, of, of worship to any other thing. He just, he's already, he's been taken care of. All I can do is just open. A little baby doesn't tempt the Lord, right? He doesn't even know how. Jesus challenges us always to live in a, in a childlike way, childlike faith. It's so beautiful, childlike faith. And, and the reason why it is childlike faith is because all these issues of temptation are just, just washed away. You see, guys, what, the real issue behind temptation, I don't know what temptations you deal with. I know you deal with some. In a room this, this size with this people, there's all kinds of temptations that, that you guys deal with every day. Lust. Greed. Avarice. Anger. But the issue behind all those things that you're, you're tempted to do is that the reality is that the Lord is the answer to all the things that you have, you have need for. Even if you're angry because you think, you think you're justified in your anger, 99.9% of the time you are not. It doesn't do any good. It just drags you down to the pit, and you know it. Every temptation you face is an attempt to cut the string of reality of who God actually is. And this is the thing Satan loves to do in your life. He just wants to distract you and cause you to doubt unto the point where you just forget who God is. It seems like, like, how could I forget who God is? Right? How could I forget his benefits? Think about three things the Lord has done for you in the last week. Think how the Lord has provided for you for the last decade. Think how he has kept you from certain harms. Think of the accidents you almost had but didn't. Think about the times you have never starved. That's who the Lord is. But sometimes you have to stir the memory bank of your own heart just to remember He is the Lord. He's the Lord. And just like He did in the past, 
He's going to take care of the thing that's right in front of you right now. I know, it's big. Whatever it is, it's big. Because always the thing that's in front of you seems bigger than everything behind you. And you forget all that stuff. Even though that pile is actually bigger of the things that he accomplished already, it's bigger than this. And that's your, that's your job. It's to remember, remember all that he has done for you day by day by day by hour by minute. And then look forward and say, okay, I remember what you did for me back then. That's reality. That's the truth. That's the Lord. And then I'm going to look forward in the same way that I look back. Jesus' answers to all these temptations are his ways of reconnecting the thread of God's truth. Let's just look at his answers. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. That's word-based living. What does that mean? It means when the Lord has given you something to stand on. And it may be the tiniest sliver of truth from his word. That if you live on that, you will stand through the storms. And you guys know, storms, I mean, the storms are storms. That's why they're called storms. Amazing. (laughs) And there's no way to get through them other than to stand on a word. Do you have a word that you're standing on? Do you have a word that you're standing on as you face whatever it is? Several months ago, we were here at a prayer meeting. And by the way, if you guys have not been coming to the prayer meetings, like, what's up with that? That's where the work is done. Like we, we need the body to be here praying, guys. Like this is a battle we're in. Sorry. <laughs> but it needs to be said. Come on. You guys need to be here for prayer. Corporate, I don't know if you know this, but corporate prayer is different than individual prayer. Corporate prayer requires everyone in the room to submit to one another and hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit in order to be led and guided towards the things that the Lord wants to accomplish in the church itself. You have your needs and, and, the, and, and those needs are valid and needed, but corporate prayer is a time for us to do it together and to approach prayer differently because it's different in a corporate setting. It's different in the body of Christ because you're listening and you're hearing one another and you, you find out stuff about what other people are going, going on in their lives. You also find out what is the Lord stirring for us to do in the body together. Anyhow, I digress. So we were in a corporate prayer time and someone came up to me and they were dealing with this, this situation. And they're like, we don't know what to do. And we're back and forth on what the solution is. And I just, I just, I just heard God say, well, ask them if they have a word. And so I did. I said, well, do you have a word that you're standing on? She goes, it's so funny that you say that. We were just talking about that we don't have something that we're standing on and moored to. Guys, a scripture 
A single sentence from God's word is enough to get you through every storm that you face. Think, think of the scriptures you have stood on in the past. Guys, if you used it once, you can use it more than once. <laughs> These scriptures are for you to stand, right? So that you don't fall. So that you don't give up. Aren't you tempted sometimes to give up? Where my finagler's at. Yep, those are the... Everyone else is the giver-uppers. Sorry. (laughs) But it's probably true. I don't know. But it's true. Like, we're tempted sometimes to give up, right? You know? Ah! Forget it. You ever said that? I'm sure you've never said that. Ever. Right? Yeah. (laughs) You're tempted to give up. Don't give up. You're tempted to to not trust that the Lord will get you through it or won't. Maybe you're tempted, you're like, oh, I don't think the Lord will heal this. I don't think the Lord will take care of that. You got to cast that out. That's not truth. That's doubt. And what happens, guys, what happens when you you build a nice nest of doubt? How's that home? How's that home working out? You know, doubt and worry, doubt and worry. Like nice little bird's nest there, doubt and worry. How is it to live in that nest of doubt and worry? It's horrible, right? Can we say it together? One, two, three. Horrible. It's horrible. It really is. And you know it. And when you're in there, you're like, ah, oh, I can't believe I crawled, crawled back in this stupid nest of doubt and live by the word. The word. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who is Jesus? He is the incarnate Word. He is your foundation. All the other stuff that you think might be your foundation is not your foundation. Your finances, not your foundation. Your health, not your foundation. Anything else insert here, not your foundation. The Word is your rock. Everything else Sinking sand. And boy, does it sink fast. Jesus also reconnects the reality of living not by what we see, but worshiping him who made us. And I kind of pointed this or alluded to this before about about Satan and his wording. And I'm going to point it out again there because look how crafty he is. Your eyes are some of the most wonderful things you have in your body. They also will lead you astray hour by hour, minute by minute. Verse 7, therefore, if you will worship before me, he wants you to have your eyes on the object of your worship rather than to worship without seeing. That's the way God made it. That's the way he wants it. He wants you to worship him when you're in the middle of the storm, when you don't know what's going to happen, when you're not feeling right, when you don't have both shoes on your feet, whatever it is, when you wake up in the middle of the night, that's how he wants your worship to be. You're like, why is it such a struggle? Because God designed it that way. And he wants you to live worshiping not by what you see. The word. The invisible, yet powerful 
God. And lastly, that he rules in time and space. And we are not to tempt him or put ourselves before him, but rather submit to him. I was reading this week in one of my favorite devotional books. I, I really like devotional books. Um, I love getting like other pastors and, and, and people's insights into the scriptures. And one of my favorites is, is My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. Show of hands, who, who reads Oswald? Isn't that funny? We read a guy named Oswald. Oswald. If you don't know Oswald Chambers, uh, he wrote this book. Uh, called My Utmost for His Highest. And it's just full of gems. I mean, what can you say? They're gems, you know? They're like Charles Spurgeon's sermons in like a paragraph. Very powerful. And yeah, he talks about the issue of temptation. And he says, and like he has these insights into temptation, which I want to share with you because so often we think of the temptation and we're focused on that again instead of the root issue, right? And this, this is all about getting, can we just get down to the root issue? Right? I mean, that's what this whole study is about. Can we get down to the root issue of who God is and who God is to you? And he says this, it's not a question of giving up my sin. So often you could be thinking that it's about your sin. You're like focused on the sin itself, the wrong, the error, whatever it is. He's like, it's not a question of giving up my sin, but of giving up, listen please carefully, of giving up my right to myself, my natural independence, and my self-will. All this stuff is rooted in that. You think you have a right to yourself, that you can, you can govern you. And God comes in and says, how's that working out? I mean, if you're 100% in all the areas, then great. But are you? Giving up the right to yourself is, is one of the hardest things to do. But it's the reason why you might struggle in your marriage. Stepping on toes. I'm sorry, I'm going to keep stepping. It's the reason why you have a problem with your boss. It's the reason why you might have trouble in relationships. Because you're focused on, on you. Don't let the Trinity be me, myself, and I. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oswald goes on to say this. Beware of refusing to go to the funeral of your own independence. Have you, have you gone to your own funeral? You... When you got baptized, do you know what you were baptized into? You were baptized into the Lord's death. And from that, from that, then what? Then raised to life, but not the other way around. We all want to be like, woohoo, let's get on the... Well, great. Then do this. Die to self funeral of your own independence, you know? Go home later today, have a wonderful Christmas time, and then be like, okay, we're going to have a funeral service. And just kind of, you know, bury yourself and be like, okay, we're dead, dead and gone. 
And, and why, do I, why do I talk about this in this language? Well, because Jesus talks about this also, about how you're supposed to experience new life. And if you're not experiencing enough of the life of Jesus, or you're frustrated in your Christian walk, if you're like, why haven't I, why haven't I overcome this? Or why, why does that keep happening to me? Or why, why is this happening? Or why is that happening? Jesus says that unless a seed does what? Unless it dies. Sometimes when you want life and life and life, you, you need to ask more for death, death, and death. Death of you. So that he can do the new life. But if you, if you refuse that, if you stand against the things that the Lord is asking you to die to, he's saying, you know, can be as simple as like, you know, don't do that anymore. Whatever it is that the Lord has his, by his spirit, has his, has his hand upon in your life, it says, no. And you go, well, then you've just, you've just stepped over a beautiful funeral that you were supposed to have. And the Lord has life on the other side of it, but he's just going to wait. And he's not going to push you. He'll keep nudging. He'll keep giving you little hints. You're like, come on, come on. You know you got to lay that down. Beware of refusing to go to the funeral of your own independence. So you might be asking yourself, okay, so we have all these temptations, and we have all these, there's these, there's these truths we're supposed to submit to the word. We're supposed to stand on a word. Okay. And I'm supposed to worship the Lord only. Okay. And I'm supposed to not tempt the Lord, but understand that He's the ruler over all things. Okay, what, so how do I do this? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> Let's look at Luke chapter 5 to a close. So it was as the multitudes pressed about Him to hear the word of the God, this is Luke 5 verse 1, that He stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. This is Simon Peter. Before he was Peter. It's just Simon. And he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. So he's, he takes Simon's boat. He's, he's out in the water. He's teaching people. And Simon and his cohorts, as we will find out, are, are listening. They're, they're there, but they're just bystanders. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. He just commandeered his boat, and now he's telling him to go back to work. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. I want to pause there. Toiled all night and caught nothing. Can you relate to that? I can relate to that. That's the epitome of self-will right there. You've done all this stuff and you're back where you started. You're square one. 
Or sometimes you're a square negative one. That tends to be my, my lot in life. Square negative one. I'm going to copyright that. Toiled all night and caught nothing. What was his profession? Fisherman. I don't know if you guys have heard this, but I know a number of pastors talk about like how crazy it is that the fishermen that Jesus meets are terrible at their craft. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. But here's the thing. If that's, if that's you, if that's what you've walked through, or maybe you're in a season where you're coming out of that, please know we understand what that's like. This is a body of Christ who have, we've, we've walked through these things as pastors, as elders, you guys, you've walked through these things. We're all in the same boat here, guys. We've all tried the toiling, right? And that's got back to that kind of initial thing, that white knuckling, just trying to, just, you just, just make it happen, you know? Up by your bootstraps. And nothing, Right? Like, why isn't it working out? You ever said that? Why isn't it working out? Why can't I get ahead? Why can't, why can't I never get a savings account going? Whatever it is. I don't know what it is. But whatever that thing is where you're like, why can't I? That's Simon. But listen to what he says next. He doesn't stop there in frustration. He doesn't stop there and obsess and worry, and complaining. He goes on. Listen to what he says. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And that is called surrender. You want to help deal with the temptations in your life? Surrender your life to Him fully. Surrender is the key because it's all about acknowledging all the things of the temptations and saying, Okay, Lord, at your word. That statement has such practical power for living every day of your life. You got to be ready to have this is a word this is a word you can stand on. If if Peter said it and look, and, you, and you know the rest of the story though I'm not going to go into it right now. You you know what happens now with Peter. The Lord then used Peter because Peter died or is in the process of dying to do a lot of wonderful, amazing, life-changing work in this world. Because he said, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the nets. And that's just, that's just him saying, at your word, I will trust you for this. At your word, I will trust you for that. At your word, I will worship you and not worship another. At your word, I will trust you and not tempt the way things are. That's the root. The root of every temptation that you face is that you're not willing or not ready or not wanting to surrender. 
And as we close today, just a just a brief explanation. If you've not surrendered your life to Jesus for the first time, which is to be saved, would you please do that? Not for our sake, but for your sake. You, you have to surrender yourself to Him in order to be saved, to know that you know that you know where you're going when this life comes to an end. You need to know that. And if you've not received Jesus, if you've not surrendered to Him and said, you know what, I, I've heard about what you did on that cross. And you've been living your own way, but it's not working out. It doesn't work out. Then you need to ask Jesus to come into your heart and you need to surrender to Him and the work that He's already done. If you haven't done that, please, as we close the service, there'll be people up here praying or, or talk to somebody here, but don't, please don't leave before you've, before you've done that. If you feel the Lord tugging on your heart, I haven't really, haven't really surrendered to you, then please. If, or if you, if you on, another, on another level, if you, if you struggle with the issue of surrender in a particular issue of your life and it's become kind of like a the hanging chad of your life, so to speak. If it's become the, an, an issue of, of where it, it's stopping you, it's holding you up and you know it, same thing. Pray. Surrender it to the Lord. Take up the word of at your word, dot, 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 whatever it is. And as you head into Christmas, I pray that your lives would be lives that are like children. Walk by faith, not by worry, and not by sight. And as you surrender to Him, you surrender all. He will give you the newness that comes with the death that you offer. Because that's what you're offering Him. You're saying, I, I give my life to you. I'm, I'm, I'm dying. Turn this thing into newness. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, my precious Jesus, I surrender all. Lord, we come before You and we are so thankful that you come to deal with the issues that we face in life, the temptations that are before us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, for all these gathered here, Lord, if there are some who have not received you as Savior, who have not turned and repented from sin, that they would come and be set free. I pray, Lord, for the spirit of surrender to be in this body of Christ as we approach this season. 
And we again raise before you, Lord, all those who are sick and in, in need. They're just in need of a touch for you. And if you're sick this morning and you need prayer, again, come for prayer. That's what we do. And Lord, I just trust you to do the healing work that only you can do. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. God bless you.